0: Father, as we open your word together, please give us open hearts and minds to receive. That whatever we bring into this place, uh, whatever thoughts are there, whatever tiredness, whatever struggles, that during this time when we hear your word, we be open and listening and receptive, and that your spirit. Would change us to be more like Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. A number of years ago, I went on a mission trip to Guatemala, and it was a great trip. All kinds of things happened, and if you've heard people tell stories of their mission trips, you know that God always does wonderful, incredible things. Um, I want to tell you about a story that happened there that really was not God doing an incredible thing, it was just a great story. We had, as we were traveling up the mountain to get to the villages, we ended up having a flat tire. So the caravan pulls over, and there's guys trying to fix this tire. Um, And there's a whole bunch of us, and most of us have nothing to do um, because we don't know what we're doing, and so we're just kind of wandering around. And off the side of the road, there is a forested area, and we hear a ding-ding, ding-ding, like, what is that? And you see, in this group, as people start kind of looking into the wooded area, wondering, like, what is making this noise? And eventually, a few guys start, so there's a, a water pipe that goes, and you have to step over it. So they're stepping over, and they're moving into this wooded area, and then it would stop. We're just like, oh, what in the heck? So then they come back out, and they're standing on the road, and then ding, 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 ding. We're like, what is this? So we go back again. And the second or third time this happens, a few of us notice, down the road a ways behind us, there's this old guy, and he's sitting on a post, and he's got a wrench, and he's doing this to the water thing, ding, 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 ding. And then he watches us as we go in and smiles, and then when we look back at him, he stops. (laughs) And as we step back out, he goes, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) So we went and talked to him briefly. Well, some people talked to him. He only spoke Spanish, so I couldn't really talk to him, but it was kind of fun. Um, But Here's why I tell you that story. It's really important for us to to look for the right things in life, but it's also important to look in the right places for the right things in life. So we were trying to find the sound, and we were going in the complete wrong direction. Um, The sound was coming from over here, we were going this direction. How many of you want a meaningful life? You know, that's a good thing to want. But we also need to look in the right place to find that meaningful life. And that is what Peter is doing for us. So last week, I presented to you this question. What is your salvation worth to you? What is it that that God has done for you? What is that worth to you? Because what Peter's begun to do is this. He has said already, God's done all these amazing things. Now he said, in light of that, you should do this. Here's your response. Is it worth it to you? Well, he's continuing that same thought process. Here's what you do. Here's your response. But I'm just reframing it a little to say this. If you want a truly meaningful life, to use our song, if you want a life that is thriving, you've got to look in the right place. Open up the Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter. It is on page 1728, if you have one of the Pew Bibles. Page 1728. Um, I apparently did not charge my watch last night because it's on like 2%, which means it may die during my sermon and that could be very, very bad for all of you. Just let you know. Page 1728. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're starting right at the top of that page in verse 17. He's going to give a command, and there's only one of them in this whole section. He's going to give a command, and he's also going to tell us why. And it is that command that we're going to start with, because that is where you can find the most meaning in life if the Christian message is real. Verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, here's the command, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. I'm going to break down the commandments. This is what he's telling us to do. Lit out your life. It translates a word that means behave or conduct. I love the word conduct because it kind of moves over into English and we get a picture. So here's what he's saying. Conduct your life. But picture it like this. Um, How many of you have been to a symphony concert before or in any level? Um, You know when the conductor gets up there, you have violins and you've got cellos and you've got bass and you've got woodwinds and horns and you have this whole orchestra and in front of them conducting that orchestra is the conductor who is telling them what speed do we go in when do you come in when do you come in when do you stop when do you bring this part in they're conducting that symphony imagine your life as a symphony Break it down like this. Over here you have your action section. Over here you have your thought section. You've got some motivation section back there and some feeling section. And over here you've got your will. And he says, I want you to conduct all of your life. Don't just let it happen to you. I want you to conduct those actions and conduct those thoughts and conduct those motivations and conduct those. That's what this word is. It's that big. So if you can picture your life, the symphony of your life, he says conduct that in his second part as foreigners here. Uh, He wants us to always remember we were born again into the family of God. We are now citizens of heaven. Which means this place, and I'll be careful here, this place is not our home. Um, Now, I don't mean this, just I want to make sure you get this. Um, I don't mean that we're going to die and then we're going to become angels and live on clouds and play harps for the rest of our lives. Um, That is not what our eternity is. According to Scripture, the heavens and earth will be remade and we will dwell here on a remade earth with resurrected bodies. However, what exists right now here is not our home. When I was in Guatemala they had a particular custom that I kept witnessing that at first I was horrified by because everybody was honking at people all the time. And I thought, okay, at that point I was living in Texas. Can I tell you what it means to honk your horn when you live in Texas? It's the equivalent of your middle finger. All right, that's it. You're just honking at people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so rude here because it's all over the place. And I talked to our guide and he said, oh, no, we're saying hi to each other. <laughs> like we honk at each other all the time. Like they're driving by. Oh, okay. hi. They're all saying hi to each other. Um, that was a custom I was unaware of because I was a foreigner. Um, there's differences between the way, the way the world works and the way the kingdom of God works. And sometimes the world, the other thing it told us is this. Please do not drink the water. You do not have the bowels to drink our water. You must stick with the water we give you because otherwise you will not be helping us. You will be spending your time in the little room over there that has the bathroom. Don't drink the water because we couldn't handle it. If you let the world dictate how you conduct your life, instead of remembering, I am a foreigner, I belong to the kingdom of God, not to this world, it will mess you up it will lead you down wrong paths. It will bring darkness into your life. So, conduct the symphony of your life, remembering you belong to the kingdom of heaven. And, he says, in reverent fear. The best way I can describe this to you is I'm gonna gonna re-say that. Conduct the symphony of your life so that it honors God. So that everything you do is bringing honor to him. Right, and I'm going to give you a silly kind of illustration of this. Imagine with me for a moment, you come from the land of stories. In your land, you read stories, you talk about stories, you share stories, but you go to a land where they have no stories. And you come as a representative of, of the ruler of the land of stories. When you come into this other land, if you want to honor your king, here's what you don't do. You don't go, Oh, nobody's reading stories. I better stop reading stories because that would look weird. I'm, in fact, I'm going to take all my books and all my stories and I'm going to put them in a little cabinet and I'm going to lock that up and leave those alone. Right? Instead, what you might do is you might go, All right, I know nobody reads stories, but stories are wonderful, they're beautiful. They give us life, so I'm going to keep reading. And if somebody asks me, I'm going to tell them about what I'm reading. Or I'm going to go to a friend and I'm going to say, I'm reading this incredible story. Can I tell you about it? And I'm going to make sure that I take care of those things that represent the land of the stories. We come from the kingdom of God. He says, if you want to respond to God in a good way, conduct the symphony of your life, remembering you belong to the kingdom of God and do it in such a way that it honors God. Why? Go back into your text. Why do this? He gives three reasons. Um, He actually starts with some of the reasoning before we get to the command, so we're going to go back to the beginning of verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. Two things here. These are reasons why we should conduct the symphony of our lives to honor God. Right? Number one, it says, since you call on a father, um, I'm going to give you a little tiny bit of technicality right now. Okay? So just kind of go with me for a minute. Here is, if we were doing Bible study, this is what I would say. The Greek word used for call upon. It has two different ways of being used. And you will see different translations. The first is this. This translation says, I'm going to rephrase it, if you call out to or ask Father to do something, that was this one, you're calling upon him. The other way of understanding it is this. If you address as Father... The emphasis is not that you're asking him for anything. It's stating that you call him father. That is the one I think Peter means. And it's the one you get in some other translations. The emphasis here is this. Why should I honor him? Because he is my father. And let me walk you through that just a little bit. Here's the first thing you should know. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, They come to him and they go, teach us to pray. The first thing he tells them is this. Say, Father. That is huge. If Jesus is teaching us how to pray, not Almighty God or, you know, great ruler. It's Father. If you go into the Sermon on the Mount, which is his longest extended sermon. Like, it's three chapters of just red letters, if you have a red letter Bible he will call God Father 17 times. When he talks about himself, he most often uses the language of son. It is really important because God could have revealed himself in any way. He chooses a relational image to say this is who I am, Father. Why does that matter? If you had a good dad, and I know not all of you did, but if you had a good dad, Probably there are certain things that were true. You knew where to go if you were feeling unsafe. You knew where to go when you needed something. You knew where to go if you needed to talk through something. You knew who you could trust. You knew who you could be vulnerable with. Why is it important that he said, I want you to call me father? Because that is the kind of relationship God wants with us but there's a flip side to it. That's our perspective looking at him. There's also this, and I really, really want you to hear this because I don't think enough Christians know this. Here's the flip side. Last week, I was bringing my four-year-old to his therapy, his ABA therapy, and I walk him in, and I am wearing a dad joke shirt. It says, I tell jokes periodically, and then it's got little periodic table things that spell out joke, right? So I walk in, and there's another therapist sitting there, and she reads my shirt, and she laughs, and she says, oh, where'd you get that? I've got to get that for my husband. His favorite thing about being a dad is to tell dad jokes. He finally gets to do it. And I kind of laughed, and she laughed, and about that point, my son, who had walked toward the back, he was getting ready to go into the back, he turns around, and he runs to me and throws his arms around my waist and kisses me. And she goes, actually, his second favorite thing is telling dad jokes. And I thought, I mean, this was just like, my heart is melting as he does this. Why? I love being a dad. I love my kids. And I love being a dad. Have you ever thought about this? God loves being a dad. He loves being your father. Otherwise, he could have revealed himself in all different ways. He chose that because he loves being your dad. Why should we honor God with our lives? Well, if you have a really good dad, do you ever think about, I really want to honor my family. I want to honor my dad. I want to honor my parents. Because he's our father. That's the first. The second is actually tied to it. It says if you if you address as father, the one who judges each person's works impartially. That's the second part. Um, So as a dad, one of the things I have to do if I want to be a good dad, I have to judge, evaluate my kids' works. It's part of my job, right? Like you can't just let your kids. Go live any way they want to. It is my job to see what my kids are doing. Look at their works and try to help them. Try to help shape them. Try to show them when they're going on the wrong path. To help them be responsible, loving, good people who are following Jesus. Well, God is the same way with us. He doesn't just let us slide. He would not be a good dad if he did. Instead, he says, I'm going to evaluate your works. I'm going to look at what you are doing. Not because I have a desire to go, oh, you're wrong. You know, not because he wants to be mean. Because he's a father. What good father doesn't look at the works of his kids and go, let's talk about this. Because I love you. That's what our God does. And it's impartial, meaning your status with him as a child of God is not going to impact it. He's not going to go. Give you an example. Your son's friend steals something. Your son is with that person and also steals something. Which one are you going to be harder on? Your own kid. Because that's the one you can make a difference in their lives. You're not going to do this. Oh my gosh, I can't believe your friend did that, but you're okay. Okay. That's not what we do as dads. We look out for our kids. God is doing the same thing. And then lastly, final reason. Keep reading with me. Verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Here's the second reason. God took your salvation really seriously. He was willing to pay whatever it took to redeem us. What he says it here is it wasn't with silver or gold. How many of you like Just give away money. You like wasting money. You like large sums of money to replace the giant TV that broke, and now you've got to get a new one. Um, You like just wasting money. We don't. But I guarantee there isn't a parent in here who wouldn't say, if I had to choose between something bad happening to my kid and giving up all of my money, I wouldn't hesitate. Because perishable things are just that. Our kids are not. Here is God saying, I was willing to give everything to redeem you. To redeem you from an empty or fruitless way of life. Um, Peter is probably, although we don't know this for sure, he is probably writing to primarily Gentiles. And if that is true, they don't have all of this background in Judaism. They don't have all of the commandments. What they did have is a life of following idols, a life of trusting in things that were not God, a life of trying to find meaning and purpose in things that were not God, a life of turning to find strength in things that were not God. And he says he gave everything to redeem you from that. It's not going to be your job. It's not going to be money. It's not going to be approval or reputation. It's not going to be school. Those things are eventually going to fail you. He says, "He redeemed you from that to give you a way of life where you can conduct all of it in light of Christ. You can always come to your Father because he loves you and loves being your Father." So why? Because God took it seriously. Why would I not? Take it seriously. We know God has done a lot for us. It's not always easy to keep that in mind. Especially, I mean, some of you have been going to church your whole life. Like you've been hearing the message of salvation over and over again. And every once in a while... You hear some nuance or insight. or I mean, I know there are some of you who have never thought of God loving to be your father. But most of the time, we hear things that we've known. So it can be hard to keep it in mind. But as you think about it right now, as you consider everything God has done for you, if you want to respond and find meaning, if you want to look the right direction look to him look to what he has done look to what he has called himself look to everything he sacrificed and then conduct your life the symphony of your life in a way that honors him the last image i have of guatemala was our last day because as we were leaving the villages in the truck that old guy was sitting there still on his little post. And as we went by the whole, all the trucks slowed down (laughs) because we had kind of like joked with this guy a little bit and everybody's waving to him. And I also got a little bit closer to him because I was right there on the edge of the truck and we go by and guy was missing like six teeth. (laughs) I just remember his smile because it was so jovial and missing like half of his teeth and he's smiling. But this is what I remember. He held up the wrench and he did this, (laughs) the wrench, kind of like, remember this. And I just, it's odd that like everything that went on in Guatemala, I had this image of the wrench (laughs) in my mind. But I think if we are looking at the right thing, if I can remember who God is, remember what God did, remember how he cares for me, can I remember that in the moments when I'm conducting my life? that I might honor him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the ways you care for us. May that always be imprinted in our hearts. May we keep coming back to it so that we will intentionally conduct the symphony of our lives in a way that would honor you. We ask this in Jesus' holy name, amen.